0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 416. It's kind of hard to believe, but there's actually cruises going to Alaska again. And Royal Caribbean Serenade of the Seas was the first ship to get back to Alaska this year, having just completed her first sailing. And I've got this week an interview with somebody who just went on that first sailing, not only the first Royal Caribbean ship back, but the first big ship back in Alaska. And I've got to look at what it was like to go back to Alaska. Here we go. A few months ago, it would have been really hard to imagine that there'd be cruise ships going to Alaska this year, but it's happening. And in fact, the first big ship returned to Alaska just a little while ago, and that was a Royal Caribbean serenade of the seas. And someone who was on board the very first ship, actually the Royal Caribbean ship, is a good friend of mine, actually, Aaron Saunders, who's the news and feature editor for
1: cruisecritic.com. Aaron, welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Matt. This is amazing, especially after coming back from the first cruise of Serenade of the Seas, the first revenue cruise up to Alaska on a big ship in 21 months. You know, it's just it's been such a historic journey, I think.
0: Yeah. And I know that, Aaron, you've been you've been following the the plight of the cruise ship industry and trying to get to Alaska uh, really ever since Canada shut down their their cruise uh, access as well as the United States as well. And everything that's happened in between. And there's this is really this is this episode is more than just Aaron went on a cruise ship. Aaron went on a very significant cruise ship. The I think the the symbolism of the sailing is bigger than the actual, you know, ship itself or or really anything you've you've done on board. Do you want to what are your thoughts on that?
1: A hundred percent. I mean, you're you're 100 percent right about that. Like this, you know. Alaska lost so much by not having a cruise season last year. And the interesting thing was when I was up there uh, talking to a lot of the tour operators, you know, a lot of these businesses are family run, right? They've been in the family for more than one generation in a lot of cases. And I was talking to people that could not recall any year in their lifetimes or in their fathers, you know, or mothers or whomever's lifetimes where there was no ships coming to Alaska. So they lost that 2020 season. They lost that revenue that goes with it. You know, the majority of people get to Southeast Alaska by cruise ships, right? It's not, it's not a place you can end up accidentally and you really do have to purposely be going to Sitka or be going to Ketchikan or, or Icy Strait Point. Um, and yeah, like to have cruises come back, you know, Alaskans are used to things being seasonal, right? So when the last ship left in October, 2019, they started preparing for 2020, which was going to be one of the biggest seasons on record at that point. And it all just disappeared. And and so now, for a while, it looked like even this season may not happen, you know, because of the fact there's the Passion of Vessel Services Act. You, you've got to have foreign flagships leaving out of the States, stopping at a Canadian port of call. And obviously, Transport Canada said, well, we're not going to, you know, allow that this year. And, but here we are. There, you know, if you'd asked me two months ago, will you be, you know, talking about a cruise to Alaska, I would have said, no, there's no way. But here we are. and And now it seems like, serenade started on july 19th and since then we've had you know hall in america restarted princess carnival is going to restart tomorrow so it's it's a big deal for sure
0: absolutely and you know it's interesting aaron you you cover the news i hence your title <laughs> or i mentioned earlier you <laughs> know and we've seen this this whole battle in key west play out between yeah. the cruise industry and the cruise ships and key west basically says that the impact the, the economic impact cruise ships have is negligible but whether or not you believe that another story we're not going to get into that but alaska <laughs> There is a ginormous economic impact that c- the cruise ships have on southeast Alaska, especially. I mean, these cities, these towns are built on the backs of the cruise industry.
1: Absolutely. And, and in a lot of cases, you know, the cruise industry has filled in for industry that used to be there and is now gone. You know, a great example is, is Isis Great Point, which is, you know, developed by the Klingit village of Huna nearby. And, it, you know, they used to have a cannery. The cannery closed down, I believe it's 1997 or so. And then Isis Great Point became a thing in 2004 when they thought, well, let's start, you know, uh, courting the cruise vessels. And so it's, it's kind of done this twofold thing where it's provided this much needed employment for those locals. And it's also provided with the cruise lines with a much needed, you know, additional port of call. And actually, we were in Ketchikan. We were having some beers at the uh, local brewery there. And I swear this is 100% true. We met this couple. And they said, are you from the ship? And we said, oh, yeah, we're from the ship. And they said, oh, cool. They were from Minnesota. They're maybe in their mid-30s. And the guy said he'd been on a cruise to Alaska like 15 years ago, and he loved it. And so he came back with his wife, I believe. And they were spending like two weeks in Ketchikan. They came and just did it as a land vacation. So sometimes there's this whole thing where, you know, the people say, oh, well, does cruise contribute positively to it? And I think, yeah, it certainly does.
0: Yeah, I, it's 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 certainly incredible, and it the proof is in the pudding. Beyond just you know, it's one thing for the cruise industry to say so, but when you've got mm-hmm. the governor of Alaska, you've got both senators, you've got the representatives in Congress, all of them working towards this singular end. It's it was incredible to see, and the fact that not only could they get legislation that Aaron, I don't think you or I ever thought was ever going to get passed, and no, I agree. and to also then be able to say. Oh, yeah, and we're going to get all these ships operational here in a matter of, you know, months to get them ready to go for July. I mean, if you told us, if if we were listening to this episode, Aaron, back in January of this year, I think we would have all thought that this episode was an April Fool's
1: joke. I mean, there's no way this could have happened. No, there's no way it would happen. And, and, you know, like I was saying, even a couple months ago, I would have thought, well, you know, good for them for trying, right? Good for them for trying. The Alaska delegation made great strides and and yet here we are we're talking about this you know I just got off serenade of the seas this morning and across the pier from us over at Smith Cove was Carnival Miracle and there's just a the biggest procession of semi-trucks I've ever seen in my life and they're all coming to provision that ship so that it can go out tomorrow um it's it's how I think I think that's the interesting thing too is even those of us who are in the industry and cover crews all the time we were really shocked with the rapidity you know how quickly this has all happened and come together it's really remarkable. And we were, you know, I should also mention too, every port of call we stopped in, we were greeted nothing but graciously by the locals. They're happy to see people back. The local shops are open. The majority of the tour operators are running. Some of them aren't um, because the season's just not quite big enough to make economic sense. Um, But everything's open. Alaska's open for business and they're happy to see the the visitors come back again.
0: That's fantastic. So you know, let's talk about Serenade of the Seas. You sailed out of Seattle and let's talk about the terminal experience. I know that you certainly read about obviously other cruise ship restart processes in other ports. Uh, I'm not sure if you've sailed on another ship prior to Serenade uh, since the pandemic, but I'm just curious what was your experience like in the terminal? Any
1: surprises or was it pretty much what you expected there? I think, I mean, that's a great question. And I, so for me, this was my first cruise in 16 months. You know, I hadn't been on a ship since January of 2020. Um, and I, you know, I read all the information that was put out by Royal Caribbean and they did a great job explaining everything that, you know, was going to be involved with things, right. You know, you've got to show your vaccination, um, certificates or proof of that. And I think, you know, obviously it was the first day that Seattle terminal had welcomed passengers back in, in, you know, a year and a half. Um, it went smoothly. It took longer than I thought it would. I think, you know, it's a good idea for people to pack their patients and just be aware that, you know. There's a lot more to go through now in terms of, you know, verifying documents and doing kind of the health checks and and then the embarkation part itself. But really, it was very smooth. It was very well controlled. It just took a bit of time. So I think that that's, you know, kind of a good thing for people to keep in mind is there may be some surprises, there might be some snags along the way. Um, but of course, just making sure that you're really familiar with the protocols that are on you know, Royal Caribbean's website or any cruise on's website, because they can and do change quite often. Absolutely true.
0: I mean, I think anyone listening to any of these reviews we're doing, whether it's Serenade in Alaska or Freedom in Miami, if you got a cruise this fall, this winter, next year, that's great, but don't expect it to be exactly like we're describing. These things change yes. daily, weekly. So, uh, yeah, always, uh, just, just keep it, keep it in mind as well as you're, as you're planning, but, uh, yeah, a lot of changes. So,
1: um, Serenade of the Seas. Uh, what kind of cabin did you have for this particular sailing? So I had a uh, pretty much your regular balcony cabin on deck seven. Um, I got to say the ship was in great shape. You know she's 18 years old this year. You wouldn't know it. The ship has been really well kept up. Both public areas, deck areas, uh, state room was in good shape. And it's you know the balcony state room on Serenade. It's a nice size. And initially I was worried about being on deck seven because of course the Radiance class has this kind of uh, metal awning over the lifeboat covers. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought, oh, maybe that's going to obstruct the view or, you know, block my view in some way. And it really doesn't because all you're missing out on is the view of the promenade deck below. (laughs) Um, Very cozy cabin, very quiet. I had a connecting stateroom door in my room and I didn't hear a peep from the people next to me. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, the room, you come into the room, there's some masks on on the desk waiting for you. There's a little outline of the protocols and things like that. Nice little card that said "Welcome back to adventure," which I thought was a fun little touch, um, and it just it felt very normal actually coming into the stateroom.
0: Yeah, sounds and that sounds exactly like my experience on some other ships. So that that's good, dear. Do you recall
1: how many people were on board? So the the number that I heard was just over six hundred something passengers and just over eight hundred crew on board. So wow. you know, Serenade holds about twenty one hundred people at double occupancy. So very spacious, you know, it, the ship felt like your own yacht, which obviously isn't sustainable going forward. Like you say, if you're booked on a cruise for October, this probably isn't going to stick around forever, this, this kind of low capacity. Um, but I think that it's a good way for passengers to get used to the idea of cruising again and, you know, being around other people. And it's also good for the crew. I mean, if you think about it, this is a nice way for them to kind of ramp up their service after being off for many months. Um, and it just, the nice thing was, 600 people felt busy without feeling full. Like it didn't, it never felt empty. It never felt cavernous, like, oh my goodness, where are the passengers? You could always find people. And I think that that was, you know, a nice number because it's nice to have space, but it's, it would have been bad if it would have been like, oh, well, there's no one around here. What am right. I doing here? You know?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, you know we, we kind of skipped something I wanted to actually ask you about as well. You know, getting on the ship, um, one of the regulations. So, Royal Caribbean depends on where you're sailing from. Will depend on what the requirements are, especially in regards to the COVID nineteen vaccine. And for mm-hmm. cruises out of Washington, guests who are 16 years old or older must be fully vaccinated. And that'll actually drop to 12 and older as of August one. Was Was there any testing, Aaron, that was required of you before the cruise?
1: No. So there was no testing required before the cruise. Um, they did have a testing location set up there in the cruise terminal, and my understanding was that is for the people who are, you know, underage and are unvaccinated. They would get a COVID test beforehand um, and and go from there. But uh, no, no testing pre-cruise needed.
0: Oh, you know, it's something else I just thought about. Obviously, you're from Canada. I know that sounds like a New I Jersey am. accent, but it's actually Canadian. Um, <laughs> but what was your experience like getting for, over from Canada to the States? Anything Interesting. Different. Uh, was it more of the same? Yeah, it's
1: it's it's a lot more involved. It's 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 a lot more involved now than it used to be. So to come to the states, I had to get an antigen test before I flew down. Um, that was really easy to do. Just a quick swab of the nose the day before my flight, um, and then I I I was going through customs in Vancouver International Airport, and I kept thinking. They're going to tell me I can't do this. They're going to tell me I can't come for a cruise or anything like that. Nope. They're like, oh, there's the the U.S. CBP guy. said, oh, the cruises are back. I said, yeah, they are. He's like, oh, great. Have a wonderful time. (laughs) And that was the extent of the, um, you know, kind of the process to get into the U.S. So coming back into Canada, I need to get a PCR test before I'm allowed to board my flight from Seattle. Mm -hmm. And that's a Canadian government regulation. And the nice thing is for people that do need to have this on the ship, the ship does provide that they provide it free of charge, which I think is incredible. Because when I was researching this, if I want to get a rapid PCR test here in Seattle, it's going to cost me about $250. Mm. So Royal Caribbean is really providing a great service for those guests that do need to have that. And i I don't think there were a lot of Canadians on board. I might have been the only person, <laughs> but um, but they are doing that, which Good. is uh, fabulous, I think. Absolutely. So what was your, in the order, what was your first port that you reached in Alaska? So first thing we did, we spent a day selling the Pacific Ocean. Um, if anyone's wondering, because I have seen questions about this, no, the ship does not do the inside passage. You stay out uh, on the Pacific Ocean. Um, Our first port of call was Sitka, which is a fabulous port up on the edge of Baranoff Island there. Lots of Russian influence. It used to be Alaska's first capital city, actually, until I believe it's 1906 when they moved it to Juneau. Hmm. And after Sitka, we went to Icy Strait Point for a great afternoon call there. Uh, Then we ended up in Juneau and finally Ketchikan. And we also spent a day of scenic cruising in Endicott Arm.
0: Nice. So when, when you got to Sitka, which was your first port... What was it like when you talked to uh, the locals over there? I mean, with, I remember when I got to the Bahamas for Adventure of the Seas, a lot of them were like they couldn't believe we were actually on a cruise. we were from a cruise ship. They're like, "What? They're back?" Like, you know, it's it's <laughs> kind of like it, it's that old cartoon thing where they rub their eyes twice to like make sure they're not yeah. they're not seeing things. Like, 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 like what was
1: it, what was your what was their reaction to you guys? So the this was a little bit different because these guys absolutely knew the cruise ships were coming back. Like, this was the talk of the town. Is oh, we have got a ship coming in today. Um, you know, and there were a lot of local tour operators, vendors, uh, dignitaries and people like that that were meeting uh, us and other passengers at the pier there in Sitka. Um, I'd say joy bordering on disbelief, you know, kind of like they they had hoped that this day would come. They had hoped that this would happen. And then here it is and people are there and, and they're coming off the ship. and. It, every person that I spoke with was just like, we're so glad you're back. We're so glad you're here. And Sitka was interesting too, because we got off the ship to find that there is now a brand new cruise terminal there. Um, They used to just have a blue kind of utilitarian looking building at the top of the hill there at the, uh, the dock, the old Sitka dock. And during the off season, they've built this fabulous new terminal. It's not quite open yet. Um, I hear it's going to have a tap room towards the end of the season when everything's done. Um, So, a lot of the interesting thing I found going back was a lot of Alaskan ports have made a ton of improvements in the off season. And it's these projects that were greenlit in 19 and they kind of just kept plowing through it in the hopes that these, the ships would come back. So I think passengers are going to be really surprised when they get to Alaska, if they've been before that a lot of things have been done during the, uh, the last, uh, 21 months. Nice. Before we get into the port stuff, how was the weather? What's the weather like when you
0: cruise in Alaska in uh, middle of July?
1: You know what? It was fabulous because, I mean, obviously, it's Alaska. It could rain at any time, and people should come prepared for it to rain at any time. Um, it was nice. It was always overcast, um, never really too cold. You know, temperatures in the uh, mid-60s, I suppose, Fahrenheit, uh, somewhere around there. And only had one day a drizzle, and that was it. And otherwise, it was just overcast and really pleasant. So we, we lucked out. It was good. Nice, nice. So
0: let's talk about the things you did in ports. And uh, I'm I'm always interested to hear different options. Number one, were you regulated, or relegated rather, to only Royal Caribbean excursions or could you do whatever you wanted to
1: do? No, so we could do whatever we wanted. So if you're vaccinated, you are allowed to go and wander ashore independently. You can take tours. You can do as you please. If you are unvaccinated, then you have to take a Royal Caribbean excursion. You can't just go wandering off on your own. And if you are on an excursion, they do bring you back to the ship. Um, so they, they don't want you, you know, wandering off on your own if you're part of an unvaccinated party. Um, so having said that there's a ton of different things you can do, you know, uh, there's a new tour in Sitka that they just announced for this year. And you're going kayaking, uh, in Sitka near these beautiful islands. Um, and that was just a wonderful experience. Like if I, I always tell people, if you're doing stuff in Alaska, you should do at least one sea thing, you know, get out there, go kayaking, go hiking, um, it's it's just amazing when you get into the wilderness how how beautiful and diverse it is up there.
0: So did you do the, is that what the excursion you did in Sitka,
1: the um, yeah. kayaking? Yeah, the kayaking, yeah. And it was, it's phenomenal. It was just a, a great afternoon of just paddling around. And the other thing was, when I was paddling around there out in this in Sitka Sound, I, I thought to myself, this feels so normal. Like, it feels so, so normal to be just out on out the ocean, out paddling around. And I think that's the other thing with an Alaska cruise is you get this connection with nature, right? And that's that's half the beauty of going to Alaska is just the ability to be out in this pristine wilderness. And it's nice that there are those options, you know, for people that want to take that. It was it was a fabulous afternoon.
0: Fantastic! I love that. That's great to hear. Um. So next up
1: was I don't I don't remember the order. What was the next <laughs> port you went Icy to? Street. Icy Street. What'd you do there? So. Actually, in icy Strait, So they've also made a ton of improvements. They now have a uh, transporter, they call it, this transporter gondola. So if you've been to icy Strait point before, you'll know that a couple of years back, they put in a new dock, the first dock facility, they it used to just be a tender port for the longest time. And so now they're building a new dock for Norwegian cruise line holdings down about a mile and a half away. And they're calling that the Wilderness Adventure Landing. So the existing dock where we docked on Serenade of the Seas is now called the uh, Adventure Landing. And there's this new high-speed gondola system that carries you through the forest uh, in between the two. And that's actually quite a, it's a lot of fun to ride that. Uh, beautiful journey as well. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to start selling that for... and you can take the uh, gondola as much as you want during the day to transport yourself between these two areas of town. Um, We could have gone zip lining. I'm not a big Heights fan. So I I passed on the zip lining and instead I just went and had myself some fresh crab and some nice cold Alaskan amber beer. And that's a nice thing to do too. You know, they've got a historic cannery there that's kind of half museum, half gift shops that you can walk through. They have a beautiful boardwalk uh, oceanfront stroll and that's my favorite thing to do in see Straight Point is just just stroll along, just sit down, have a drink, have some chowder, have some crab. Mm. Um it's it's a gorgeous port. And the nice thing is with Royal Caribbean, we were there in the evening. We were there from about four PM to ten PM, which was kind of nice to spend a little bit of the evening there too. And I, I found I really enjoyed that.
0: Yep. And of course four PM to ten PM. So people were thinking, Oh gosh, what'd you do? You know, towards the end of that. But
1: remember in Alaska, ten PM, it still looks like noontime, right? In terms of it's the still sunlight. light out. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, it's not dark at all. You know, <laughs> the <laughs> average time it would get dark, dark wasn't until 1030, 11 o'clock or so. So, yeah, you're full daylight. Wow. Nice. Uh, well, what's uh, what's your next port that you had up? So the next up was Juneau, obviously Alaska's capital. And uh, so Juneau, we did the kind of traditional thing you do in Juneau, which is wander around, go to the Alaskan Brewing Company, have some beers. Um, and And that, too, was fascinating. I mean, it's it's. There's the problem with Juno is there's so many things you can do in Juno, right? There's the Mount Roberts tram, you've got Mendenhall Glacier, you can do flight seeing, hella seeing, uh, dog sledding, things like that up on Mendenhall, and it, it really is hard to pick just one thing. Um, but I find the town itself is super charming. There's lots of cool shops, and the shops were all open, um, you know. And regardless of what your opinion of like Diamonds International, and Effie Jewelry is, they they were open too. So it really actually seemed, I think. I think one of my greatest fears going to Juno was what if we get to Juno and everything's all closed up and boarded up and 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 what if all these businesses have failed? And the thing that I saw was businesses that were open that were welcoming the cruise ship passengers. You know, um, restaurants were all open, bars were all open. And it's also worth noting too, in Alaska, right now they're having a bit of a COVID uh, upswing, you know, number of cases. So onshore, they are asking you in some places, um, especially restaurants and things like that and shops. Some have signs on the window saying you have to wear a mask and some say only if it's vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, can you take it off? And others say, well, you know, it's it's kind of up to you. We'd recommend masks, but we won't force you. So people should just kind of be aware that, you know, you will still need your mask on shore in, in many places right now. Absolutely.
0: That's a, and that's a great tip. I mean, and again, all this can change. You can go next week and all it might be change. different. This could be different tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> <You know?
1: laughs> um, but I will say that didn't detract from the experience. You know, uh, if, if a, a shopkeeper says, hey, we'd like you to wear masks not a problem everyone walks around people were pretty good local alaskans are really good too you know they are they're they're doing everything in the safe and manageable way and uh they know people on the ship are primarily vaccinated and um yeah again Juno, super warm welcome by the locals just really lovely fantastic
0: and that leaves ketchikan if i'm not mistaken and of course the it, sailing around but yeah ketchikan for yeah. a port.
1: yeah and ketchikan was i mean again everything was open we went and did kind of a classic uh, catch a can attraction. We went and did the Great Alaskan Lumberjack Show, which I love. I've been going there since two thousand six. It's about an hour and ten minutes long end to end. It's I love it because it's not expensive. It's really kind of a charming show. It's great for families. You know, there's they're doing these lumber sports. They kind of have this fictional rivalry between the lumber camps of Canada and the lumber camps of the United States. Um, and they were saying when we were there that. Uh, that was their first performance since the industry shut down. So I think that's really interesting for people to remember too, is like, you know, in as much as cruising had just started up, all of these attractions had just started up too. You know, Mm -hmm. this was the first time the great Alaskan lumberjack show had been closed since they were uh, founded in 2000. So this is a return to normal for these guys too. This is a return to their jobs, the things they love to do. Um, it, that really kept resonating with me. And and I I did notice, um, you know, we also went and had uh, chowder at there's the fish house that's right next to uh, the Great Alaska Lumberjack Show. We went to a brewery up the hill. And I really found that I was spending more money than I probably had in the past. Hmm. And I I felt like spending money. I was like, well, let's go here. I'm, I'm going to not I'm not going to eat lunch on the ship. I'm going to go into town and find a nice restaurant and eat lunch there. And I'm going to I'm going to get some beers on off the ship and I'm going to uh you know go and buy some books or some souvenirs. And I think a lot of people had that like I probably came back with more stuff than I bought in in, <laughs> in years. Yep. Um just because I felt like I wanted to contribute to to those guys. And I should also say with Ketchikan, you know, I'm so used to Ketchikan having four or five ships docked there at once. And you know, if you go down Creek Street, which is the famous, you know, used to be the red light area of the town way back when. Uh, Now is, you know, lots of tourist shops. It's beautifully photogenic, but you're shoulder to shoulder all the time. You can never really get a good picture of the thing. Um, Being there and being the only passengers on the only ship in port, it's, it really gives you these great opportunities to see places that maybe historically have been kind of overcrowded and now are not.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The a lot of the, the, the term that's being thrown around right, all around the travel industries, you know, this idea of revenge travel that it's like, you know, you've been without cruises, you mentioned you've been out of the cruises for, you know, uh, 16 plus months, right? And yeah. I certainly, when I got back on board, we definitely had this uh, laissez-faire attitude, spending more than we ordinarily would have because it's just been so long. Who knows? Maybe they'll pull the rug out from underneath us and it will be another 16 months. So I'm going to make the most of it now. So it's, it's indulgent. But at the same time, I also feel like you know what if you're if you're tipping a little bit extra to the crew members if you're buying souvenirs that you know maybe you, you don't need or who knows or you're stopping for you know restaurant a meal at a restaurant in a local town you know it, you're giving back you're helping to uh, stimulate the economy but you're doing your part um, to help out so I think it, it 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 rubs both ways is what I'm trying to say
1: yeah I agree I would agree with that a hundred percent and I think that that is something i found not only for myself, something I also observed with my fellow fellow passengers was there's just this kind of um, maybe mutual appreciation, Mm. you know, is a good word. You're happy to be there. I found, you know, I'm scheduled to go back to Alaska in two more weeks on another ship. And I was buying souvenirs just in case, like you said, just in case I'm like, well, maybe this doesn't happen. Maybe I should buy this glass I want now, or I should buy this poster now. Um, I think maybe that's what the pandemic did is I think that for those of us that love travel and love cruises, Um, I know for myself, it made me really appreciate that. And to me, this kind of felt like my first cruise ever all over again. It was that kind of feeling. And I really felt that was super cool being on Serenade of the Seas. You know, the crew were so happy to see the guests again. And the passengers were so happy to see the crew again. And it was just a very happy ship. It was a very happy ship for seven days. And you could feel that.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there's, there has been this energy, um, on all the ships I've been on so far that have just been like everyone it's, it's equal among the crew as, as the guests, as well as the guests on board. And it's, it's palatable. It's, it's really, uh, it's a great feeling. It's, it's so different than what it was before. People always had a good time and certainly the crew were always happy, but it's like a whole nother level of it. And, uh, you know, certainly for Alaska, my goodness. And you're the first ship back, you know, it's, it's, it's all sorts of, uh, good feels as they say. Um, happening there, so
1: um, feels happening here exactly. You know, and and it really is. It's it's super historic, and I I felt privileged to be part of that because this, you know, even though cruise has already restarted in the U.S. right last month, we had a Celebrity Edge set out on the first U.S. U.S. based sailing. Um, this though felt super significant. This felt almost as significant because Alaska had been hurting so badly without these ships. And the fact that they managed to do it, the fact that they managed to get, get the approval uh, even after Transport Canada said, you know, no, we're going to take the pass this year, not um, not allow ships into our ports. The other thing that I think is really fascinating, too, is this Alaska-centric itinerary that's been created because of that. Now, maybe I shouldn't say this because I'm Canadian, and I think that, you know, Vancouver is an amazing port, and Victoria is, too, but you've got this interesting itinerary coming out of Seattle now where you've got four ports in Alaska. It's it's a very U.S.-centric cruise. And I'm, I'm fascinated by that. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it, actually. I mean, I would like to, uh, you know, have a stop in Victoria, obviously. But being able to visit another Alaskan port and have these port times extended, you know, we were in uh, Juno until nine o'clock at night. We were in Ketchikan until eight o'clock at night. We had some really decent port times and I I thought that's pretty valuable.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's gotta be nice to be able to do that. And, and just like this cruising the Caribbean, you know, taking advantage of these lower crowds, lower capacity that the ships are doing. And, and, and of course something else you mentioned, which is the fact there just aren't as many ships in port, you know, regardless of how many people are actually on board each vessel, it is a treat for you as the passenger to be able to take advantage of this it's it's going to
1: spoil you, Aaron, you'll, this will never get any better than this for you. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. And I, I think that's the thing is this will never happen again. This will never, this might be the case, you know, for the next few weeks, the next few months, or maybe even this season, um, you know, which is going to run until October this year, but, but this will never happen again. Yep. Um, you know, in 2022, the, everything is scheduled to go back to the way it was. Uh, the numbers are record breaking. They're through the roof again, um, which is great for the industry and great for um, Southeast Alaska. But, it it is almost visiting there. It's almost like you owned the clock back twenty or thirty years. You know, I mean, it's it's a bit like going there in the eighties or the seventies, uh, when ships were smaller and not not uh, filled with as many passengers. And I just think, you know, obviously everyone has their own personal take on travel and whether they're ready to cruise again or not ready to cruise again. I think right now it felt very much like being a pioneer. You know, like you say, these these the regulations that are in place now may not be there in a week or two. And even the regulations, though, I have to be honest, I didn't find them cumbersome. I found, you know, you you have to wear masks in certain areas of the ship um, throughout when you're moving around the vessel and that. People adhered to it. People um, were respectful of that. People were able to take their masks off in the areas that were for vaccinated passengers only. And it just felt like, well, OK, if, if this is what I have to do to cruise, this isn't awful. I can deal with this. Uh, Because everything else about the experience was exactly as I remembered it. It was just fabulous.
0: Fantastic. And I'm going to ask you uh, one more question, Aaron. You've been to Alaska before, but obviously you just went here now. So if you were to give,
1: uh, you know, let's say your top three Alaska tips, cruise tips, what would they be? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Top three Alaska cruise tips. Number one, waterproof everything. (laughs) You're (laughs) going to want a waterproof backpack, pants, shoes. I cannot stress this enough. I've been there. I've been the guy with the soaking wet pants and the soaking wet shoes on more than one occasion. And a few years ago, I finally wised up and and got myself some good waterproof gear. Even if you take it and you never have to use it, it's worth having. Um, Tip number two, I would say is, you know, some of the excursions in Alaska are quite expensive. Flight seeing isn't cheap. You know, even the kayaking, I believe, was about $200 a person. You should plan on doing one of these marquee excursions because yes they're expensive but how often are you going to get to go and land on a glacier and go dog sledding how often are you going to get to kayak around Baranoff Island um or go whale watching or do the crab feast thing you know the these are all great excursions and I would do it and especially as we were talking about you know Every time you do that, you're supporting some local tour operator. Royal Caribbean might sell the excursion to you, but the tour operator is the one conducting it. The tour operator is the one earning the income off of that and employing people off that. Definitely take a tour and take a bucket list one just because you never know, right? And the third thing I think that is really important is if I feel like there's a place that you should splurge maybe on a cabin with a balcony, it's Alaska. And I know people say to me like, well, why would I want a balcony in Alaska? It's just going to be cold. That's true. That's true. But having a balcony gives you your own private space, right? So when you're doing scenic cruising on the glaciers, when things can get kind of competitive on the top deck, there's so much to see. You know, it's not like being in the Caribbean where you're looking out to just maybe the open ocean. There's always scenery that you're passing. There's always something to watch and something to see. And I feel like I spend the most time on my balcony in Alaska, even if it's cold and rainy. So. Yeah, I would say those are, that's the, that's the three things I'd recommend.
0: Fantastic. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us here. And of course, if you want to check out Aaron's work, it's, odds are if you go to cruisecritic.com and there's a news story, there's a pretty good chance Aaron wrote about it and he keeps track of everything going on in the industry. Again, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us here. And uh, and I hope that uh, you're able to uh, get back on a ship, uh, another ship that is, a lot sooner than the time it was before Serenade.
1: Me too. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. This has been great.
0: All right, friends, time to answer some listener emails. This is the part of the episode, of course, where I answer your listener emails that you sent me all about Royal Caribbean cruises. You can send me your emails by sending them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Our first email is from Oliver, who says, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I don't think I'm one of your typical viewers, though. I'm 13 years old and from Canada who loves going on Royal Caribbean. The Kids Club also made me so many good friends I still talk to today. Your podcast is very entertaining, especially during this pandemic. I don't know if you said this answer yet on on the blog, because I still haven't listened to your Adventure of the Seas Cruise review yet, but what are the mass policies on the ship? Maybe you could do a protocol episode in the future. Thanks for everything you do. and Continue making good podcast episodes. Oliver, thanks for the email. And I appreciate you sending this in. It's a great question because of course, I think everyone wants to know that. Like what are the rules on board? And while I would love to do an episode about protocols, the problem is that they're very different depending on the ship and the departure port, like where you're sailing from. If you're sailing from Alaska, you just heard or selling from Seattle to Alaska, you know, the rules are going to be different than if you're sailing from Miami. Uh, so just something to keep in mind. And on top of all that, They're changing all the time, but I think going forward, Oliver, here's my, here's my advice. You should assume you're going to be wearing a mask indoors, uh, going from point A to point B. Now you're 13 years old, Oliver, and I'm going to assume that I'm not sure if you're, if you're vaccinated yet or not, if you're fully vaccinated, you would have still still have to wear your mask when you're going from point A to point B. If you're in common areas, indoors, hallways, promenades, what have you, you're wearing your mask, but you can take your mask off in certain situations. Like when you go to a restaurant or a bar or a lounge, when you're actively eating or drinking, uh, when you're in specified vaccine zones, basically places that are for only vaccinated passengers. Now, for kids who are unvaccinated, then that would be a little bit different. You'd be wearing your mask anytime you're inside the ship, right? Except for your stateroom, of course, or while you're actively eating or drinking. Uh, so if you are in adventure ocean, you'd be wearing your mask and they're kind of similar, I'm assuming, to what you maybe had at school. If you went to school last year, like as in you went to like, you know, physical school, not virtual school. Um, that'd be the option there. If you're outside, like on the pool deck, anywhere outside the you know, flow rider, you're on the water slides. No, no mask required. there, vaccinated or not. And when you're at perfect day, Coco key, uh, they're, they're private. I don't wear a lot of money for that matter. You wouldn't have to wear a mask there either because you're outdoors in ports it varies depending on the port you just heard uh aaron talk a little bit about that as well that sometimes they had different regulations depending on the port you're in so there could be different rules about that but that's the nutshell of it oliver and of course everything i just told you could have changed by the time that you hear this or if anyone's listening to this you know a month or two from now uh quite a bit is changing on that front Next, actually have an email from adam from mandeville louisiana hey matt love the show and happy to be talking about actual bookies and cruises again oh boy aaron, adam you couldn't be more right, brother. Anyway, back to Adam's email. Uh-huh. With the recent announcement of requirements and differences between those guests who are vaccinated and those who are not, I'm wondering how that experience might be for parents who are vaccinated by kids that are not. But will really 12 on the day we sail, but only turns 12 three days before we leave, so I have no good options to get her vaccinated. I'm not quite sure I understand logic that she needs to be treated differently from someone born three days later than her when it's not like we have the option to get her vaccinated before the sailing anyway. Could you please spend some time discussing areas of the ship she might not have access to or requirements she may have that my wife and I also don't have. Also, are there certain areas in the theater that my wife and I were both vaccinated and have to use because she's, she is with us and unvaccinated. What about the dining room? So many questions and just trying to see if it's worth it for us anymore. Good question, Adam. Thanks for the email. And you heard, I think a lot of those answers to your questions were in that email. I just talked about with Oliver back there, but you know, essentially there's going to be different areas. And again, Adam, the important thing is it depends on when you're sailing. I don't, you didn't mention your email, which ship where you're sailing from and what dates and this could all change so here's my recommendation to anybody listening like like adam and this is a very fair concern if your cruise is more than we're recording this episode is obviously coming out in the last week here of july 2021 if your cruise is anything beyond september you just sit back and and see what happens with this kind of stuff because the reality is it's all changing and who knows what'll happen a month from now three months from now six months from now next year and I just don't want to paint the wrong expectations for you, Adam, because I don't want to sit here and tell you, you know, this is the experience today. And then you say, well, I don't like that, but my cruise isn't your, you know, your cruise is in the fall or something like that. I mean, it, it could be radically different than that. So, um, there are certain things that are required. And yes, when you were essentially as it stands right now, if your daughter is with you and your wife, then you're considered unvaccinated. So as an example, if there was, if the, uh, schooner bar was considered a vaccinated area only, you would not be able to go in there with her. You could go in there. You and your wife could go in there without her, but you could the three of you wouldn't be able to go there, if that, if that makes sense. Um, and it's just, yeah, I, I totally understand exactly where you're coming from. It's frustrating. I mean, I've got kids, and you know, my youngest is 10. And I suspect, Adam, as the protocols, uh, sorry, as the vaccine requirements change and as eventually they're going to start lowering those vaccine options to, to children below 12, right? And then I'll be in the same scenario that you are in. It's going to be a very interesting place to be. And I'm not sure how I'll handle it. It's just going to be, I'm honestly, I'm taking my own advice here. Adam. And I'm going to tell you, well, I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I need to kind of situation. So I would basically, again, I don't know what your sailing is, but you know, look at the protocols once they announce the sailing that you're like, you know, here's the, they're doing this basically every month, like, okay, here's the protocols for sailings on this cruise out of this, on this month. And only at that point. Once they do that for your sailing, you'll have a better idea of what to expect. And it just, I, I, I think it's better than trying to guess or assume what those protocols will be right now. So thanks for the email, Adam. Appreciate it. Next, we have an email from Brian from Maryland. Hi, Matt. Love the show. My wife and I have a cruise booked on a lure of the seas. In January 2022, on our, for our 20th anniversary. Happy anniversary, by the way. I'm always annoyed when we have to go to the muster station and you can't bring drinks with you. I just got on the ship and I'm enjoying myself. And now, something something has 45 minutes, I have to stop having fun and just stand there. With the new e-muster drill, I'm hoping this has changed. Were you allowed to bring a drink with you when you're going through the drill? Thanks. Absolutely. Brian, you hit the nail on the head. No one liked that. And they got rid of that. In fact, there's really no... Yes, you could bring your drink with you if you wanted to. Essentially what happens, Brian, is when you get on board the ship... The Royal Caribbean app will notify you, hey Brian, it's time to do the e muster. You'll watch a video in your device on your on your smartphone or tablet or whatever. You then, you know, acknowledge that you watched it, and it will prompt you to go to your muster station. You can go there at any point within a, a certain time frame. And once you go there, all they do is just scan your CPAS card, Brian, and you're good to go. So nothing shuts down, nothing stops. You're just honestly, it should not take you to watch the video takes about a minute or two. And to get to your muster station, you know, it's really as fast as you can walk there. There's, they'll just give you a quick overview, like here's where you go in case of an emergency, and then you're off. It's it's really simple. The days of having to stop having fun and stand there for 45 minutes, dude, they are long gone, and I couldn't be happier about that. I I'm so excited for that one. Carolyn's got our next email, and it is from so Carolyn from Frisco, Texas has our next email. We're booked on Harmony of the Sea sailing in November, and where you're also having the group cruise. We're not booked in the group, so we didn't realize you had the sailing yet, and but we're loyal to another travel agent. We've not been to any other ports before. What to do in St. Thomas or Antigua? Family of four, kids are 16 and 13. We like beach time, but not all day, everyday beach time. So I don't know so we basically don't want three full days of beach. Definitely planning. For that, at Cocoa Key, we're not water park people. Looking at booking a beach bed at Cocoa Key for the day to serve as our home base, should we book that on Chill Island or South Beach? Carolyn, thanks for the email. Number one, by the way, you're in. A, you're coming. If you're on the same sailing as the Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise on Harmony of the Seas, I mean, you can still join us for a majority of the events, and you should, Carolyn. One of the things when I develop, develop the group cruises for Royal Caribbean Blog is, I never wanted to be that guy who's like, oh, I'm doing a group cruise, but you can only join us, you know, in our group. If you booked with my travel agent, like I always thought that was really petty because, in the, the day, Carolyn, you're my friend. You read the blog, you listen to the podcast. I'm glad you use a travel agent. That's fantastic. And you've got a friend that is good for you. That is fantastic. Why should I force you to come over here for the purposes of a group cruise? I mean, there are going to be some advantages for people who book into the group, there's special little perks, but there's a lot of events that are open to everybody. At the end of the day, Carolyn, I want to say hello to you and hang out with you. So I want you to feel welcome to join us for that once we publish the schedule events. All right. What to do in each port? You don't want to do beach days. I would say Antigua is the one you want to do your beach day at if you're going to do one, because Antigua is really just beaches. Uh, It's just, it's the thing to do over there. St. Thomas has a lot of great beaches as well, but there's a lot more activities you could do um, in St. Thomas. You know, normally I tell people I'll go to to Megan's Bay or St. John's for the beaches, but you obviously don't want to do beaches every day. So, you know, I might say go to Charlotte Amalia downtown. There's great shopping. There's dining there. It's a good place to walk around. I might recommend that. Uh, There's a little bit of history in St. Thomas. You can do tours that take you up to Mountaintop, which is a great scenic view from, as the name implies, the top of a mountain. And you can just a little, you know, Horace Trap store up there, but you see the store, you go back to Charlotte Amalie, do some shopping, you know, you can, you can make a nice day of it or half day, I think go back to the ship and you know, relax a little bit. But I would say Charlotte Amalie is what you want to do there. And for where you should do your beach bed, chill Island or South Beach, I would pick chill Island. South Beach is fantastic. It's just farther away from everything else. So if you're anticipating walking around the island some and kind of exploring on your own, then I would definitely recommend, uh, going, picking your, your, your beach bed location at chill island. So that way you are, uh, you're covered in that end. So thank you, Carolyn, for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out the Royal Korean blog podcast. Uh, if you want to send me your emails, I can read them right here on the, on a future episode by sending it to Matt at Royal Korean blog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T at Royal Korean com. Until next time I'm Matt and we'll talk again real soon.